Welcome to Advancing the Agenda. I'm your host, Michael Abramson, and today's topic is the need for elections in the United States to be conducted via paper ballot rather than electronic ballots. I'm basing today's topic on an advisory from the United States Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or CISA, which is a division of the Department of Homeland Security. The advisory was issued on June 3rd, 2022, and I've linked to it in the podcast description of this episode. The advisory concerned the Dominion Voting Systems Democracy Suite ImageCast X, which is an in-person voting system used in at least 16 states. The system can be used in two ways. In the first way, voters access their ballot by entering a card into the machine. They see the ballot on the machine's screen, and then they select their choices by touching the screen. When they're done voting, they click Submit Ballot, and they turn in their card to the poll workers on site. The second way is exactly the same, but with one addition. When the voter is done selecting their choices, They click print ballot and the machine prints out a ballot and then the voter takes that printed ballot, puts it into a scanner and the machine scans their choices. And the scanning process is the way in which an individual's votes are submitted. For those interested in learning more about the voting system, I provided some links in the podcast description of the episode. In its June 3rd advisory, CISA noted that there were, quote, vulnerabilities affecting versions of the Dominion Voting System's Democracy Suite ImageCast X, which is an in-person voting system used to allow voters to mark their ballot, close quote. CISA went on to state that, quote, jurisdictions can prevent and or detect the exploitation of these vulnerabilities by diligently applying the mitigations recommended in this advisory, including technical, physical, and operational controls that limit unauthorized access or manipulations of voting systems. CISA also stated, however, that, quote, while these vulnerabilities present risks that should be mitigated as soon as possible, CISA has no evidence that these vulnerabilities have been exploited in any elections, close quote. The CISA advisory leads us to two conclusions. The first is that electronic voting systems are not perfectly secure. It implies that these systems can be hacked and votes can be changed. The second conclusion is that CISA has only developed solutions to problems which they have currently found. The advisory, however, does not deal with problems that will occur in the future, and the logical question is whether future problems will be discovered and fixed before an election occurs. Voters should not be in a situation in which security issues are detected with voting machines after elections have taken place and votes have been affected by those security issues. In this hypothetical situation, even though votes were compromised and the elections 
were illegitimate, it would be very difficult to overturn the elections. We know that this is a real possibility, though, because oftentimes computer problems are not found until after the problems have infiltrated the system. For example, let's consider our own personal computers and mobile devices and how they can become infected with viruses, malware, and adware, even with our best attempts at protecting the systems. For instance, we may have virus protection programs on our computers, but they do not prevent hackers from developing viruses in the future and those viruses from infecting the computer. It is for this reason that we have to update our operating systems or our virus protection systems because computer companies or virus protection companies have discovered a hack or security intrusion that the system did not previously know how to prevent and therefore new code must be added into the system to protect the computer from the virus. The federal government is not immune from these attacks. We recently found out about the solar winds attack, which affected a large amount of government computers and infrastructure. And this hack went on for years. To summarize, the government's largest cybersecurity and infrastructure agency has told us that election machines have vulnerabilities. And secondly, we know as computer users that more vulnerabilities can and likely will be discovered in the future. The ultimate conclusion, therefore, is that the United States should not be using electronic voting machines. Rather, they should be using paper ballots. Paper ballots can't be hacked with secret algorithms and programs that can be used to change the votes of individuals. The goal in elections is simple. You, one wants the ballot to indicate the choice of the voter, and for that choice to be counted in the election and not changed behind the scenes. Now, of course, paper ballots have their flaws, too. We've all heard the expression of stuffing the ballot box, and we know that ballots can always be changed. But it's my contention that paper ballots are a better solution because with electronic voting systems, one really can't tell if there has been a hack or a change unless one has advanced computer knowledge and can really dig in and do a forensic audit of the machines. With paper ballots, one doesn't need an advanced degree in computers or specialized knowledge to see if a hack in the elections have occurred. Hacks are more easily seen with paper ballots. Plus, there are systems that one can do to control the paper ballots to control the chain of custody, that is, where the ballots originated, who used it, and where they ended up, so that you can tell if there has been any foul play during the election. For paper ballots to be used in the upcoming November midterms, the process to change to paper ballots needs to start as soon as possible for two reasons. First, the government is going to have to change the laws to mandate that paper ballots can be used. This is, will sometimes be done on a county level, sometimes done on a state level. If it's done on a state level, the process is a multi-tiered one. The bill has to be introduced. The committee has to review the bill. The House and the Senate have to vote on the bill. And then the governor has to sign the bill. 
This process can be even more complicated in states in which the legislature is not in session. So to add to the mix, the governor would have to call a special session, bringing the legislatures back to work on these issues. Another potential complication is litigation from those who do not want to move to paper ballots. So one needs to build time into the calendar for any litigation regarding paper and electronic ballots. The second reason why we need to start as soon as possible is a logistical one. Ballots will need to be printed, so of course vendors need to be secured for that. There has to be a way to mark the ballot, and if any instruments are involved, such as a pen or a punching system to punch ballots, those have to be distributed to all of the precincts. The precincts need ways to collect and hold the ballots, and there need to be procedures for how to count the ballots. In addition, one will have to train all of the poll workers on how to administer an election using paper ballots instead of electronic ones. Luckily, states have used paper ballots in the past, so moving from electronic to paper ballots may not be that difficult because the states can use some of their old regulations and procedures. Elections are the lifeblood of any democracy. For the elections to work, though, voters need to be assured that their choices are tallied and counted as the voter intended. Because of the inherent and oftentimes hidden vulnerabilities in electronic voting systems, it is clear that paper ballots are the best way to conduct elections in the future. I look forward to speaking with you next time on Advancing the Agenda.